Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Long Story Short podcast. On today's episode, I will be speaking to the lovely Helen Keeble. Helen is a highly experienced and passionate pelvic health physiotherapist who has been working in this field since 2008. Helen loves to spread the word and increase the awareness and knowledge of pelvic health and she has also written and began delivering her own course, The Functional Female Pelvic Floor, which I have actually attended myself back in lockdown 2021. On today's episode, we discuss all things pelvic health and why it is so important to have a strong pelvic floor, especially for women who are pre and postnatal. I absolutely loved recording this podcast with Helen, and I know for a fact that so many of you will find it interesting. Hope you enjoy! Hi Helen, welcome to the Long Story Short podcast. It is so lovely to have you on. Oh, hi Vicky, thanks so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. This is my first little work thing since having baby number two, so I'm actually so excited for the little break. (laughs) Amazing, oh, I feel so honored. This is fun. (laughs) Helen, you are so well known um, in the physio world, the female physio world. I actually attended one of your courses um, during lockdown in 2021, and I thought it was so, so brilliant. So why don't you just to start with tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Helen Keeble. um, And I'm sure as you can hear, I'm not from Dublin, but I live in Dublin um, with my husband and now two boys. Um, one is two, one is four months old. And when I'm at work, to be fair, I never really switch off, um, which is bad. But I just love what I do so much. Cheesy other sounds, it is true. Um, but basically, yeah, I'm a pelvic health physio. So I'm in the clinic seeing patients normally three days a week. And then I also do other bits like teaching and lecturing and basically just babbing on about pelvic health to any person that will listen to me. Um, And then I also am one of the co-founders of Umi Health, which is an online platform. And it basically is like a hub of information about pelvic health. So there's like a pregnancy section, postnatal section, menopause, essentials. um, And it basically is like loads of little bite-sized video clips that basically kind of tell you how to breathe well and what your pelvic floor is. And there's video demos and there's how to poo properly. There's like all these all this information that you never know you needed. Um, so I do a bit of that as well. Amazing. Wow. Um, and I, I think just what you said there, this is information that people really, and not just women, am I correct in yeah, saying yeah, that? Exactly. All the men need to know too. <laughs> yes. Um, and this is, yeah, information that so many people will benefit from. So I think it's important we firstly start with what is our pelvic floor. Yeah, so the pelvic floor are basically like a little group of muscles that sit, as the name tells us, like at the bottom of the pelvis, um, so make not the floor, and they are like a horizontal sheet. So we have the pelvic floor at the bottom of the pelvis, and then we have like the diaphragm, which is the main breathing muscle, which is another horizontal sheet at the top of the core. So our diaphragm at the top where we breathe and our pelvic floor muscles at the bottom where we basically like have control of our bladder, our bowels. It gives us lots of our sexual function. It helps support our organs into place like our bladder and our bowels and our uterus if you have one. Um, And it also helps a little bit to kind of keep the joints supported. So the pelvic joints being the pubic symphysis and the sacroiliac joints at the back. Um, so they are such an important part, um, well, part of our body, but such important muscles. 
and also such an important part of our core um because we as you well know Vicky like everyone goes on so much about core strengthening and core this and core that and the poor pelvic floor would like never normally get a look in um but in my opinion they're the most important part of our core um and really kind of all core strengthening should kind of start with the pelvic floor yeah that's so so interesting and yeah the the core tends to take over a little bit I think it's this kind of you know buzzword that just goes around because people think it means you know you've got abs if you've got a strong core you've got on um so it sounds a, a little bit sexier I think but um why why is having a strong pelvic floor really important yeah so it's important for like every just everyday task it's important for if you're exercising it's important for if you're basically doing anything comfortably so the pelvic floor muscles when they're working well we don't even really think about them so that's kind of how we want them to be um so when they are working at their full function everything is good they basically give us a chance to go to get to the toilet in time so they prevent leaking from our bladder or our bowels we can like lift things or move quickly or go for a run or jump or whatever it is that you kind of do when you're active and out there um but basically to keep everything in the bladder and the bowels as well so we don't want anything leaking out so the pelvic floor muscles are like the trap door to all of our holes and they when also when they're working well they keep the organs in place so by that means they prevent what's called a prolapse so a prolapse is when one of the pelvic organs, so the bladder, the uterus or the bowel sits a bit lower for a bit longer because all of our organs in, in the whole body, so in the abdomen as well as the pelvis, they all are designed to move as part of their function. So if our organs aren't moving, then they'll become really unhappy. So movement is good, but with a prolapse in the pelvis, it's when the organ is a bit too low for a bit too long. Um, and on that sense, a prolapse isn't permanent, but anyway, I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent here. Um, but the pelvic floor muscles, when they're strong and working well, will keep kind of support to those organs. It's not the only thing that helps prevent prolapse or to treat a prolapse, but they're a really important part of that management. Um, and the other really important function when they're working well is our sexual function. So as well, and in men and in women, you know, it's really important. In females, I treat a lot of women who have problems having sex. Um, so mainly with penetration, if the pelvic floor muscles are a bit tense, is the most common reason why that might be painful or become difficult. Um, but also in men, I treat and have treated lots of men as well. Um, and if their pelvic floor isn't working well, then it means that they won't be able to ejaculate well or, you know, maintain or gain an erection, things like that. So they're just so, so, so important. So like I say, normally when everything's good, we don't think about our pelvic floor. It's only really when something goes wrong in those functions that we start to think, what the hell's going on? Um, and the good thing is though, that actually to improve those functions or to maintain those functions, it's really, really easy. It's just a case of doing a few pelvic floor squeezes. Um, and if there's lots of problems there, then it might take a few months you know of doing some squeezes every day um but if there's no problems and you want to keep it that way then it's a case of just doing like five squeezes a day just to kind of like maintain what you have so it's that's why i'm just so pleased to come on and chat again and just spread the word because it's honestly so easy to kind of prevent as well as treat these problems and and i've seen it over the years that like when you have areas in 
when you have problems in that area, um, then it really impacts, it can impact everything. You know, it's not just the fact that you can't get to the toilet in time or you're not having sex comfortably or you've got a prolapse. It's like, it affects people's everyday lives and, you know, like how they feel about themselves, their self-confidence and so many things. And it can just be improved so easily. Amazing, yeah. Um, and something that I definitely notice, all my clients are women, um, I have them there in a in a consultation form. You know, do you suffer with incontinence? Um, you know, when you run, skip, jump, whatever. The amount of women and young women as well, like including myself, I I've noticed that when I skip, I'm like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. But the amount of um, women who suffer with incontinence is is huge. Like it's so so common. So I suppose aside from maybe incontinence leaking, um, maybe some you know pain during um penetration or during during sex what are there are there any other symptoms that we can you know pay attention to if we have the that's a sign to strengthen our pelvic floor yeah so I would say there's lots of signs and actually it's I would also say here that flexibility is as important as strength um so when you say about strengthening our pelvic floor I would always want to make sure that we just mention flexibility at the same time because basically you know, if any muscle is really tense, it can be strong, but if it's not able to kind of move and actually go through the range, then actually you're not going to get any of that strength to translate into function. Um, so all that means is you have to breathe well at the same time, because our diaphragm is so closely linked to the pelvic floor that if we're breathing well, it maintains the flexibility. So other symptoms so that might suggest you have either a tense or a weak pelvic floor might be like not making it to the toilet in time it might be a really sudden urge to empty your bladder or your bowels it might be leaking it might be going really often it might be going in the night time it might be pain when you pass urine or trying to empty your bowels it might be constipation it could be like reduced orgasm or difficulty penetration it could be like heaviness or like sensation of bulging in and around the vagina it could be pain around the vagina or the urethra or the bowels or the back passage um it's essentially because of where the pelvic floor are like any trouble with your bladder bowel or sexual function is likely to include the pelvic floor muscles wow yeah so so interesting and like like that with when talking about the incontinence like I'm sure those are what you've just listed there loads of things that people do go through and they might think oh it's nothing to worry about or oh it's not a big deal and um, especially the ones where you know maybe in needing to go to the toilet they're not in pain so they mightn't you know they might just forget about it yeah. but um that's yeah that's really really interesting so when we briefly touched on it there, but talking about how to strengthen your pelvic floor, you said it's super simple. It's really easy. From what I know, it can literally be done as we are sitting here right now. So why don't you explain how, how we do that? Yeah, exactly. So anyone listening, you have to do it as I explain, just so you get a few into the day. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, to basically, to treat those problems that I just listed or to prevent them, it's pretty much all exactly the same thing. It's just about doing pelvic floor squeezes or sometimes it's called pelvic floor exercises or Kegels, they're all the same thing, it's just different names. Um, and basically what you have to do is 
simply just imagine that you're stopping wind. Most of the pelvic floor is actually either side or behind the back passage. So even if it's, for example, that you're leaking urine from the bladder, we would still be teaching you to squeeze from the back passage as if you're stopping wind because that gets all of the muscle to work rather than just the smaller ones around the urethra. So for some people, they like they might make those small muscles so strong that actually they do stop leaking. But for most of us, if you want to get it sorted like quickly or relatively quickly, and also to keep it that way, it's really good to train the whole muscle, which is why we just kind of have to focus on the back passage. So to do one now, just take, so anyone listening and you as well, Vicky, I'll do one as well. So just take a yeah. really big breath in and then breathe out again. And now I want you to tighten and lift the back passage like you're stopping wind and then let it go. And that's it. It is literally like as simple wow. as that. So that, that would be a short one. And then it's also really good to do long ones as well. So a long one is exactly the same thing. So you take a breath in, breathe out, squeeze and lift the back passage, and then you just hold it for ideally 10 seconds, and then you let go. Okay. And is there a certain, I'm just, this is my gym mind thinking, is there a certain like number of repetitions that we should do or like how many times a day would you suggest? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So... If you don't have any symptoms and you want to keep it that way, then there actually isn't any research on that because research is just so limited in this area anyway. Um, but kind of like the accepted amount is to try and do five of each. So five short ones and five long ones once a day in standing. Because we kind of need our pelvic floor to be really strong in standing. If you do have symptoms... So maybe a leaky bladder if you're jumping or skipping or, you know, anything that I just listed previously, then we want to try and do a few more because we want to strengthen the pelvic floor rather than maintain the pelvic floor. So if you're trying to strengthen the pelvic floor, we'd say try and do like five to ten of each, two to three times a day. Okay. So it's kind of like, it sounds like a lot because it, it kind of is a lot I guess but you're looking at like about yeah like 15 to 30 of each but a day. But it, it kind of sounds um, like obviously you are a female health physio it kind of sounds like if somebody is injured they will need to do more rehabilitation work than somebody who is maybe just trying to prevent an injury from happening so I think that exactly. makes that makes a lot of sense. This is it. it it's exactly that and like I think um well I know the other thing that's really important is actually the position that we do them in so if you're brand new to doing pelvic floor and you're kind of thinking, what the hell is she on about? Um, then, or if your pelvic floor is feeling quite weak, then I would definitely say start lying down when you do your squeezes. So maybe like as you wake up and before you go to sleep or something, that's a good time to do them. But, um, and that's just because gravity isn't acting on the pelvic floor when we're lying down. And then once they feel easy in lying, do them in sitting. And once they feel easy and sitting, do them in standing. So for somebody who's really weak, that might take about three to six to nine months, potentially. But on average, it's around three to six months. Um, so basically, like, keep going. It does take a bit of time, but it's, it is like any other muscle. You know, yeah. if you were training to do, I don't know, get your legs really strong for squatting or deadlifting or whatever you fancy, then 
it, it doesn't happen within a week. It does, unfortunately, take a bit of time. And the pebble claw is exactly the same. Yeah. And I presume for people like that who might start lying down, progress to sitting, then standing, so they've worked on it and they've strengthened um, their pelvic floor, I presume they need to keep going at it because it's about maintaining that strength over time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly that. So then once you can do them in standing really easily, then kind of jump on the maintenance program, if you like, which is just five short, five, 10, once a day. So I try and, well... I'm kind of postnatal at the moment, so I'm doing a few more. But when I was on the maintenance, I'd be doing like my five short and five long when I just brush my teeth just in the evening because I was standing. I always brush my teeth and, you know, like, so you just kind of like habit stack that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that's really, really important is just to do a big, deep breath before every single squeeze, whether it's short or long. And that just basically means that it resets the pelvic floor and as long as we're breathing in between every single rep, it means that your flexibility will be really good as well as your strength. Great. And slightly going off topic, is that similar to that kind of core connection breath that people work on when like there might be training throughout their pregnancy or is it? Yeah. Is that similar or? Yeah, 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 exactly. So it, yeah, completely, it's pretty much exactly the same thing. So when you're kind of doing a core connection breath, you're just trying to like, like piece it together, like bring the core together. And because the diaphragm is the lid to the core and the pelvic floor is the bottom of the core, it completely is the same thing. Like in order to basically use our pelvic floor well, we have to breathe well. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, when you mentioned about um, so many people go to the bathroom, maybe just before doing double unders or skipping or jumping and stuff like that. And one of the most common things I see in clinic is that actually people are worried about leaking, which is understandable if you have or you feel like you might. And then they actually tense everything up. So they try and hold in their pelvic floor and they they hold their breath without realizing. And so actually some people have a strong pelvic floor, but they're just not allowing their body to use it. So like next time you're skipping or jumping or whatever, just sometimes easier said than done, but basically just breathe so try and not grip anything and try and breathe and sometimes that's enough on its own to then stop the leaking yes if it's not then do the pelvic floor squeezes and then it really really should reduce it it normally does amazing brilliant so it's it's so interesting and like we were saying it's such a simple thing to do it's just about like you said habit stacking so every time you brush your teeth or every time you wake up in the morning do your five pelvic floor squeezes um so that's brilliant because I think sometimes people get put off when it comes to physio work or something to be told oh god I have to do it even though it's something so simple um I'm definitely guilty of that if I've ever had an injury in the past it's like simple small exercises that I'm like oh I'll just try and squat you know five by five or something instead and it's like "Ah," you know the simple stuff is going to do you um do a world of good instead so no that's so so interesting so um obviously I presume you're on maternity leave still at the moment is that right yeah I am from clinic so I'm gonna start back doing some of my teaching a bit but I'm on that leave from clinic at the moment yeah okay so I suppose when we talk about finding a pelvic health physio one how important is it a lot of women that I speak to who maybe are pregnant or have been pregnant in the past don't know that they should go to a pelvic health physio 
Um, and I'm I'm very lucky that I know that at such a young age. I don't have kids in my side at the moment, but obviously further down the line. So that's kind of definitely one of the things that I would look for straight away. But how important is it that a, a woman works with a pelvic health physio throughout their pregnancy? Yeah, so I would say very, but it might look like, you know, so for I, for example, thankfully have no symptoms and I obviously really want to keep it that way. And my job is a good motivator, I guess, to make me do my <laughs> what I see in clinic. Um, so, but having said that, I still went to a pelvic health physio during both pregnancies at least, at least once, like kind of more towards the, like the first half. So I think I went like around 17 to 20 weeks. And then I went again at the end to help with my perineal preparation. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, like kind of the first check in pregnancy that I went for was just to basically check my pelvic floor because I'm I know a lot about it, but it's kind of hard to check your own pelvic floor. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> so because in order to check your pelvic floor, it does involve an internal check, um, which I know some people just find just really unenjoyable. And let's face it, we wouldn't be choosing to have them done if we didn't have to have it done. Um, but just to reassure people, if they are a bit put off, it's really, really painless normally. It can literally only take about two minutes. And during the internal check is when we can actually tell you everything about your pelvic floor. So we can tell you if you're really importantly, if you're doing it right, because that's, I guess, probably the most common question I get when women come in. They're like, I don't, I know about it, but I don't know if I'm definitely doing it right. So we can tell you if you're doing it correctly. And then if you're not, we can obviously teach you then and there. And then we can let you know your flexibility, the strength, the power, the endurance, if you have any prolapse, if you're, you know, if you're kind of symmetrical and things like that. So there's just so much we can tell you by like a two minute check. Um, so I went for that during the pregnancy just to basically make sure that I was doing it correctly and that it was kind of all looking okay. And, and then also you have kind of like a baseline to compare back to after pre- um, after the baby is out. So I think that's quite useful. And then I went for a few sessions at the end of pregnancy too, to help with perineal massage. And that's basically, massage is maybe um, kind of, is a bit generous of the description because it's anyone that's done it or gonna do it it's really not very pleasant it could it should really be called kind of perineal stretching it's like not pleasant but it's been proven to reduce the risk of tearing during a vaginal delivery so it's not pleasant to have done but you know you kind of think well I guess it's it's better than kind of potentially having yeah. a tear or a bigger tear so if you're doing perineal massage, it basically reduces your chance of a tear and also the size of any tear that might happen. Um, so I basically went to the physio to do a few sessions because you can do it yourself. And I did do it myself and my my poor husband got roped in as well. He did some sessions on me as well. Um, but it just was quite, I was going to say quite nice. Nice is the wrong word, but it just was nice to give someone else a task for a few goes. Um, yeah. to, to, you know, why not? Um, so I would say like so much can be gained by seeing a physio during pregnancy. Great. And and like you said, you said you were 17, 18 weeks. Is that the earliest? Yeah. Should women go and in search of a physio straight away when they find out they're pregnant? Or is, is that kind of early on in, in the second trimester the, the best kind of time? Yeah. So I, and also I forgot to say just then, sorry, the also, if you have any symptoms, 
during pregnancy, then then don't wait. Like go as soon as you can. Um, I'm like, I didn't have any symptoms, so I just kind of went around that halfway mark. Um, but you actually can go at any time. So it's actually completely safe to see a physio for internal checks and stuff like that at any point during pregnancy. So it's actually, it's like, it's never too early and it's also never too late. You know, if you are really pregnant and think, oh, actually I haven't done that and I quite want to do it. Is this, is it still worth it? Then I would say definitely. Um, but equally, if you're right at the start and thinking, or, you know, if you like the sound of that to kind of just get checked, then go as soon as you like. Um, for some women, they prefer to go once they're in the second trimester just to kind of, you know, the, you know when we do our checks, it's all extremely sterile. So, you know, if you're having sex and that's kind of more risk inducing, then, you know, they're not checking you. But some women understandably don't want to have an internal check in the first trimester. And that is totally fine. Um, so you can come anytime. It's kind of down to if you have any symptoms or not and just personal preference. Great. And then I presume it is totally person dependent on how their pregnancy goes with how long they will need to see you after um, after they yeah. give birth. Exactly. So for a lot of women, like they might come and see me just once in pregnancy. So I'd say in the last five years and not just in pregnancy, I'd say like people who have never had babies before women who are menopausal, like all ages, basically, I'm seeing a massive increase of people coming in who don't have symptoms, but want to keep it that way. Yeah. So I might only see them once they come in for a check, are they doing it correctly? Are they, you know, what is the baseline? And then off they go again. But yeah, as you say, it's really dependent on the circumstances. Um, so I can see it kind of really depends. Like if somebody has a control problem, like their bladder or their bowels, I might see them once a month for a few times um, if it's more like a tension pain issue then I might see them once a week for a few times you know I'd say kind of like treatments would be uh, on average I'd say like five to ten sessions okay but that kind of really depends you know and that might be as I say like I don't know maybe five sessions but once a month so it's kind of like over a long period of time but just little check-ins to make sure that they're still doing them correctly and give them like the next kind of task to do as it were great great and it's I think it's brilliant because it's all just about like thinking ahead and preparing them for the best you know birth as possible um and I suppose I'm also quite interested in and I'm sure a lot of people are as well um when it comes to pelvic girdle pain like how common is that um and yeah can you tell us a, a little bit about that yeah so Pelvic girdle pain is basically exactly what it says on the tin. Like, so it's pain in the pelvis during, well, well, really commonly during pregnancy in terms of pelvic girdle common. Um, but in pregnancy, it affects one in five women. So relatively common, I guess, you know, that's quite, it's quite a lot. Um, and for most women, it does go again on the other side. And it's, it's like a topic that is debated quite a lot as to, um, like why it happens in the first place. It used to be thought that it happens because of the hormones. So there's one hormone in particular called relaxin that kind of just is used as a bit of a scapegoat for, for all problems during pregnancy. Um, but it's kind of been shown that it's not really that hormone's fault. Um, so some women, I would say, are susceptible to their hormonal effects. 
some women are, but for for most women, it's not because of the hormones that we get, pelvic girdle pain. It can be lots of factors. It can be like if you've ever had back pain before, it can be like muscle stiffness affecting the joints. It can be joint um, issues affecting the joints. Um, it can be referred pain. It can be like from the organs. It can be from the abdomen. It can be from previous surgeries and and things like that. One of the other risk factors is if you've had it before. So if you've had it before, it does make you slightly high risk of having it again. Not always, but especially if you didn't do anything about it. Because I see a lot of women who had pelvic girdle pain in the first pregnancy, it then went away by itself. And then it comes back again, but slightly earlier in the second pregnancy. And then they're like, oh no, I forgot about this and I don't want to have it. Um, So normally if you don't do anything about it, it kind of increases your risk slightly. Um, but it's normally really easily treated. So once we know what's causing it, so is it, I don't know, an asymmetry of the muscle tension or muscle strength? Is it that the joint is a bit stiff on one side compared to the other? Or is it coming from the pelvic floor that can cause pelvic girdle pain? So once we know where it's coming from, then we can treat it like it's normally really easily treated. Um, yeah, like I just, I've had so many women over the years who have been to various health professionals and I know they kind of just say, oh, you're pregnant, you know, what do you expect? And thankfully that attitude I think is changing on a whole, right. but in a nutshell, like we shouldn't ever put with any pain during pregnancy, like no pain is normal mm-hmm. um, and no pain has to be put up with. Um, so even pelvic girdle pain can be reduced and treated during pregnancy and after pregnancy if it's still there, of course. Brilliant. Yeah, no, I think that's really reassuring. And I, I had never actually come across it until I had a client who suffered quite badly with it. Um, so yeah, that's very, very reassuring. Um, and what I suppose is your, because you love your job, you're so passionate about your job, which I can definitely relate to. And I think is such an amazing thing to get to say that you love your job. Um, but what is your, do you have a favorite thing about your job? Oh my yeah, my favorite thing. <laughs> You're very much put on the spot as well. <laughs> what would my favorite thing be? Or who is, I suppose, your favorite type of client to work with? Is it, is it athletes? Like, is it that kind of, you know, mom that trains like hardcore? Or is it somebody who's maybe, you know, not used to training really and just kind of sees that progression of their pelvic floor and is kind of like blown away by it or... Yeah, like I, well, I suppose I'm more known for treating women who exercise. Um, so and I do love that. I think just because I love to exercise. <laughs> so I just think it's like my own personal bias, just like spilling onto them. Because um, I'm also a qualified CrossFit instructor. I don't teach any CrossFit, but I just did the qualification because I was just feeling nerdy and thinking, why not? Amazing. Um, That's so but, cool. Yeah, like I love it. And so I do really love treating crossfitters um but again it's just because i'm being i don't know projecting onto them um but like i i honestly i genuinely love i don't know just, i just really i think the thing i love about it the most is that i do get to treat women and i do get to empower women mm-hmm. and just kind of like i really see the like the improvement yes in their pelvic floor but also in their like in their confidence in their ability to just to get back to doing what they love, whatever that is. So it's not always exercise, but it might be, you know, I love treating perimenopausal women who are having trouble with sex because of the hormonal changes and that affects the pelvic floor and things like that. So I love treating them and getting them back. You know, like I love 
I just love treating like all women basically and their pelvic floor because it it's just so rewarding and it's just so relatively easy to get such amazing often life-changing like improvements yeah Um, and I've had women before quite a few actually who maybe have never had sex before then they get married and they go to have sex and they find that it's quite troublesome and so over the years I've had like quite a few women who then email me saying oh my god I'm just now pregnant and you know it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't come for treatment and things like that so it's just like it's just so nice to to treat women as well amazing no I I agree I obviously don't really treat women but I work with women and it's it's a very rewarding and empowering thing to I don't know give women that confidence either that or give the confidence that they've never had before so I love that so yeah yeah, wow I think that was so much information so much brilliant information in in a a podcast which is why I like to call it long story short because it's like all this info that people feel they need to study for or read for hours on just like combined into into a little into a little podcast so thank you so much for for coming on and just yeah uh, you can tell that you love your job and what you do um and I think that's that's amazing um so just before we finish up um I have three rapid fire questions for you so number one is uh what's your favorite breakfast oh do you know brunch is my favorite type of food like that brunch. Brunch. that's perfect yeah <laughs> like or like you know what you think of a typical brunch food so I have that for every meal of the day so like you know like your runny poached eggs yeah. and like you know it's like a real doorstep wedge of like toast with like melted butter yeah. and I love it with marmite with my eggs oh. and baked beans and eggs I just love eggs basically anything that's runny and eggs amazing <laughs> So question number two, your favorite music artist? Oh my God, I don't know. Do you know it's so funny that like um, we have this playlist that we play for my son every night before going to bed because we started doing it like when he was about six months old, so ages ago now. And it kind of like just became a bit of a thing that we were like, oh, it kind of helps him go to sleep. And so, you know, like when you get on your Spotify um, list, like your most favorite artist of 2022, was Kate Rusby because it's like this song that we play to my son to go to sleep every night and it's just like it's so funny um but if I had a choice oh my god my like favorite favorite would be anything Motown like that's my favorite yeah anything Motown or like R&B type that's what I love amazing that's so interesting I feel like a lot of people you know either say like I've got a few like Dermot Kennedy's or like, but Motown, that's really interesting. Oh, I love it, yeah. I'm a big Michael Jackson fan. So that's, I, I can, I can relate to that definitely. Um, and lastly, your favorite book that you've read? Do you know, I am such a loser because I normally only read physio books. <laughs> it's okay, you can, re- you can recommend oh, God, so sad. Like I was on holiday with my mum ages ago now. And I remember she ran me like four and she was like, well, what books are you taking? You know, if we maybe take two weeks and we can swap halfway through. And I was like, uh, I'm taking the pelvic girdle fifth edition. And like... <laughs> oh, yeah, but that just shows as again, yeah. how passionate you are about your job. It's like, it's fun for you. Yeah. Slash loser nerd. Um, so <laughs> it's my favorite book. Do you know, I haven't read a book for so long. I read recently, um, what's the title? The book, something like the book your 
the book you wish your parents had read and your kids will thank you for or something like that it's like Ooh. a parenting book so there I go again it's not even a nice easy novel it's like another nerdy like science-based but book. I think a lot of people would enjoy that I know I'd enjoy that definitely there are things I'm only I turn 24 next week and there are things I'm like my mom told me about this years ago I knew this was going to happen it's like a learning just a learning experience so yeah it's an easy read as far as kind of like sciencey psychology type books go um so I enjoyed it brilliant well thank you those are definitely some recommendations I did not or some things uh, I did not expect so that is brilliant and um, so lastly Helen where can people find you and um, be it socials websites where are you yeah so you can find me on social at Helen Keeble Physio um and I have a website um which is I think it's helen-keeble.com uh, it's so funny if you put it in without the hyphen it goes straight to like a an author in America and she's called Helen Keeble but it's like a crime writer or something it's so funny like every now and then I get an email about a book and I'm like nope that's not me oh, <laughs> wow it's like a secret secret job that you have on the side <laughs> yeah, um and then if you want to if anyone wants to check out Umi there's loads of free stuff on there to have a look at and that website is www.umi which is U-M-I hyphen health.com so umihealth.com amazing brilliant Helen listen thank you so so much I know for a fact so many women and men are going to find this incredibly useful so thank you for your time oh, thanks so much for having me it's been great thanks. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Helen as much as I did please make sure to share it with your friends family or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps in growing the podcast for more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28-day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.